Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Often we're traveling and sharing the work that we're doing in South Africa and other churches, uh, but what a privilege to be here with you at Branson Bible Church, the church that sent us out. I was thinking as we were singing here this morning, uh, the week before we left in 2011 to go to South Africa, we were gathered here as a family. Our kids were quite small at that time. Elders came up and prayed for us and sent us off uh, to work in South Africa. So it's been uh, uh, just a joy to know that we have a, a home base here and a home church and an uh, ascending church. I know you guys are working through the book of Acts and are soon going to be into the church there at Antioch and sending out missionaries and just a great honor to be able to be associated with you in that way as a sending church and a supporting church and a, a church that we know is there behind us and know that have prayed for us uh, through these years for lots of different things that we've sent back requests for. And so we just thank you for that and um, just look forward to sharing with you later today uh, what God's doing in South Africa. I hope you can stay for the uh, Sunday school hours so we can kind of share what things that you have been involved in as a church and in partnership with us uh, over these last 11, 12 years. This morning, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, while we were in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, uh, we're now moved to a different location, but we were, when we were living in Johannesburg, um, there were, they were building the tallest building in Africa at that time, about 30 minutes from our house. Now, the tallest building in Africa is not the tallest building in the world by any means, but it was going to be the tallest building in Africa. It was going to be, or is now, uh, 55 stories tall. It's called the Leonardo. And so at that time, uh, our son was having, uh, Dylan, was having orthodontist um, appointments every month. And the orthodontist is a building was just right next door to this building. And so every month, we would drive up there and see the continuation on this, this building that they were they're working on. Uh, he finished his orthodontic appointments in December of 2020, the next month, in January of 2021, the building was complete, and our orthodontist moved into the new building, but we never went there. So we've never been there, but we have seen it, and it is now complete. And as amazing as this was for Africa and for Johannesburg to have such a, a massive a skyscraper for that part of the world, uh, it doesn't compare to the tallest building in the world right now. You may be aware of this. There's one building that's over four times as tall as the Leonardo. It's in Dubai. It's over a half a mile it's called the Burj Khalifa. Maybe some of you have had opportunity to travel and, and be there. I haven't, but what an amazing, uh, they call them uh, mega skyscrapers now. There used to be skyscrapers, but now when you get above that, what do you call them? So they're calling a mega skyscraper. And um, as amazing as that is, Saudi Arabia says, we're going to build one about twice that high. They said they're going to build one. This is over half a mile high. They say they're going to build one over a mile high now. Uh, whether that will actually happen or not, we'll have to see, I guess. Maybe we'll see that in our lifetime. Um, but uh, they're serious about it, I guess, because they've allowed eight developers to submit their plans for this building in Saudi Arabia. And in order to submit your plan, you have to, it's a, a million dollar uh, entry fee, or I don't know what they call it, but you have to pay a million dollars to submit your plans for this building. And there's been eight different uh, development firms that have done that so far. And uh, so it's possible if they do and the, build, the project moves on, it'll cost over $5 billion for this one building and it'll be over a mile high, about a mile and a quarter high. So uh, maybe, maybe it'll happen, uh, maybe not, but still quite, a, quite a, an ambitious undertaking. But regardless, the Burj Khalifa itself at a, at a half a mile or more than a half a mile is, is already complete and, and is functioning. So 
what, a, what a fascinating uh, building. Um, if you think about the, the work that goes into uh, preparing something like this, the building, um, you think about the planning, um, you think about the funding, they said the new building would be five billion, I'm not sure what this one cost. Um, you think about uh, all the construction that has to take place and all the logistics of that construction. You think about all the skilled labor that you have to have, you don't want just anybody working on this probably. Um, and you think about all the different materials that have to be gathered and, and uh, brought there. And usually these, these skyscrapers are built in the middle of a city, so you can't just pile up a ton of stuff there. You have to bring the materials, you know, like the week before, the day before. They need them on the building, and they have to be all set to go. And so to get this all planned out and get this all worked, of course, is quite an amazing accomplishment. And then to see it come to completion and then to be completed... And then I think when something like ha this happens, no one you know, looks around and walks by that building and say, hey, I wonder if that just happened by accident. I think everybody is quite aware that something like this uh, has to have a master planner behind it. Um, someone had to think through all the details. A lot of energy was expended by a lot of different people to bring this to fruition. Um, you can just imagine the honor of being a part of something like this so much bigger than you know, us as individuals. No one person could accomplish something like this. And to be able to tell your grandkids someday, yeah, you know, I poured the foundation on the Burj Khalifa, or I was working on the 55th story and I, we put the windows in, or to be able to say that to your kids or your grandkids, what a great honor to be able to say, I was a part of something of such substance and such substantial significance that everybody that you talk about knows about this building. And when a building like this is completed, there's a, often a time of honor and celebration for those who were involved, sometimes fireworks, sometimes parades, but everybody acknowledges that something of substance and, and, uh, was, was created and, and finished, and it's something to be celebrated, and what an honor to be a part of. I tell you this because God uses the illustration of a great building project in Scripture, a building that God is building, and he speaks about this building a number of times in Scripture. He calls it God's building, uh, and that's what he calls it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which we'll look at this morning. And God, as the master planner of this building, is working out all the details according to his great plan and his great purpose, and he tells us that we are to make this building that he is building, his building, a central focus of all that we're doing while we're here on this earth, that we are to join him in the completion of this building project and that it will be completed in God's timing, and it will exist forever as a testimony of his greatness. So let's look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'd like to read verses 9 to 17. And as I read through here, um, look for those building words, construction words, uh, so that you see that this is the building that he's talking about. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, this is Paul speaking, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. 
Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning as we prepare to enter into your word. We know that your word is meant for our understanding, and we thank you for communicating with us so that we could get a glimpse, a picture, uh, understanding of what it is that you're doing, what your plan is, what your purpose is. And today, as we look at Scripture, we'll be looking at an illustration that hopefully resonates with us so that we can understand um, in, in some kind of concrete terms for our own mind what it is that you're doing so that we can apply that to our lives and that we can be involved in it and that we might participate in it and that we might have the honor of being a part of what it is that you're doing. In your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, he says God's building. And before that, he said a couple of other things. He said that we are God's fellow laborers and God's field. Now, he's, those, verse 9 is uh, talking about the preceding verses, 1 through 8 there, and also the following verses. He uses three illustrations, one after another. First, fellow workers, then a field, and then a building. And we're going to focus on the building part. But just as a, as a background for that, Paul is addressing a specific problem there in Corinth. And the problem in Corinth is that the church is suffering divisions between different members of the church. And what's happening is some people are overemphasizing the difference between some of the different leaders in the church. And uh, as a result of this, it's causing a conflict in the church. They're dividing themselves up and even seeing themselves maybe even in some competing groups. And Paul is writing this to let them know that this is very destructive for the church, and it's immature, it's a fleshly or worldly way of thinking about what God is doing. Uh, has no place for the Christian. They shouldn't be a part of anything about like this. And that he's telling them that rather God is doing something specific. He's doing one work, and Paul and Apollos and, and Peter and others, they're not working in competition with one another, but they're actually working on God's one work. And they're working side by side with him. So they are fellow laborers, one with another, but also fellow laborers with God who is doing this work. They have different roles, Peter and Paul and, and, and uh, Apollos. They all had different roles, but it was one building that they were all a part of. And so that's how he's talking about fellow laborers there that he mentioned in chapter 3, verse 9. Then he talks about a field, God's field. And the preceding verses immediately before the passage that we're going to look at talks about that God has a field, and that God has a building, and Paul doesn't have a field, and Apollos doesn't have a field. Rather, Apollos and Paul, they work in God's field. And so he's telling them that, you know, when Paul arrived, he was the church planter. He planted in God's field. And then later, Paulus arrived, and he watered in God's field. And as a result of the work that they were doing, the different roles that they had, uh, the church was strengthened, Apollos watered, Paul planted, but God gave the increase in his field. And so just as a farmer can plant seed and another can come and water the seed, neither, the, neither of those are able to make the plant grow, only that God is able to make the plant grow. Only God is the one to be able to bring about a harvest, a field, the food that we eat. Only God can do that. You can ask the farmer how this happens. He doesn't know. All he can say is, well, I planted the seed and watered it, fertilized it. But as, actually, as far as the actual growth of the plant, you know, that's something living. That's almost a mystical or supernatural that there's life that grows. 
And so God says that he is the one who does that. He is the one who brings the harvest. And with the church, the same is true. There are people that work in the church as planters and waters who strengthen the church, but God is the one who gives the growth of that church because it's a supernatural living entity. So after expanding on God's fellow laborers and God's field, now Paul is going to expand on a third illustration, talking about God's building, and that's where we're at here. And he uses terms like a master builder and the foundation and building and builders during this passage. And Paul tells them that he had the privilege to plant this church in Corinth. It could have been somebody else, but God in his grace allowed Paul to have the privilege or the honor, the honor of, this, of planting this church. And now, before Paul came, of course, there was no church. After Paul left, there was a church, and so he had, had this honor of being the one who was planting the church. And it wasn't only in this city that Paul had a similar honor. We know from the rest of the book of Acts that he had the opportunity to travel many places and plant many churches. And he worked with many other people who followed him, and he followed back, and they strengthened those churches. But, of course, we understand that God is the one who grew those churches. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, By the grace of God, I had this great honor of planting churches among the Gentiles. Three times he says, by the grace of God, I've been given this stewardship. God is the one who allowed me to have the honor or the privilege of being a church planter and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and teaching them that, uh, that through Jesus Christ that now the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of Jesus Christ through the gospel. And this was God's plan. In Ephesians 3, it says it was unrevealed in the past, it was hidden for ages in the past, but now it's been revealed by God's grace so that those believers that Paul was talking to in Ephesus and all those Gentiles would understand those things, and of course, we would understand those things, so that the Gentiles would have the great honor of participating in displaying the manifold wisdom of God so that the eternal purposes of God could be realized in Jesus Christ. And so he says, Paul says, this is the great honor that I had by the grace of God to be a part of this, planting local churches among the Gentiles. Paul did not dream this up. If you think about how Paul came to be a missionary, you understand, or how he came to salvation, you understand this was not Paul's plan. Paul did not dream this up. Paul is not able to bring this plan to completion, just like the farmer cannot grow the harvest. Paul is not capable of doing these type of things. But by the grace of God, he was given a role in this great building project in Corinth, and also in city after city. And so God alone is the one. So Paul says here that he calls himself a skilled master builder as a result of God's grace in his life. And so he has the privilege of directing the work at the foundation stages. He is the one who has had that, that opportunity, but he acknowledges that others will lay and build upon the foundation that he has laid. So he understands that he won't be the one who completes the building, but by the grace of God, he is the one who has the opportunity to be involved at the beginning stages. And then he says that he is going to, others are going to come behind him and can work on that same building. And he warns those who come after him, specifically the church here in Corinth that we're looking at, to be very careful how you build upon the foundation which I have had the grace of, by the grace of God been able to lay. Be very careful how you build upon that. And then he says that it is a building that God is building and that he is going to inspect the work of each individual contributor, builder at every stage. So every person who contributes to the work that Paul started 
and we'll find out it was on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but everyone who, who contributes to that, their work in this building will be evaluated. And it will be inspected to see if it is worthy of being a part of this building. And Paul is letting the Corinthians know there's a, there's a very good possibility that your work may be inspected, you Corinthians or you Ephesians or you people in Branson Bible Church. It's very possible that when God inspects the work that you have done on his building, it may not pass the evaluation. It may be seen to be shoddy work or unworthy work or unfitting work for God's temple and God's building. And if that's the case, then it will be burned up. It will not be a part of this eternal building. It will not be last forever, and it will be forgotten. And so he says very carefully, this is a very important project that I am doing. It's a holy temple, he says in verses 16 and 17. We can't be having our shoddy work put in this and say, oh, that's good enough. God is going to evaluate each individual person's work and, tell, and say, yes, this is what I was looking for. This is the, the work that I wanted, or no, it isn't. And so that's a very strong warning to the Corinthians. Uh, because of how they were conducting themselves. One of the things that we as humans uh, sincerely desire is to have meaning or significance in our life. We talk about midlife crisis, that time when you look back to your life and say, if I've done anything of significance that anybody's going to care about. So regardless of what age you are, you have this, this feeling within yourself, you want to do something meaningful or significant with your life. And that's right as humans that we would want that because we're told, that we have been created for good works, good eternal works, things that will last forever. That's why we were created, to be engaged in things that will last forever. And to fall short of this is to fall short of the reason that we have been created. And so the idea that our effort or our life could be evaluated and could be found short of that or could be found worthless, he uses the idea of wood, hay, and stubble that it could, could not last beyond our life, that it could be of zero or little significance is a very strong warning, is very sobering to us. And rightly so, it should be. But there's a very good reason for this careful evaluation by God on his building that he is building. He says it's a holy building. And he's very protective of every aspect of this building so that it won't be corrupted by poor or unworthy workmanship, impure motives or selfish ambition, God says in verses 16 and 17 there that he will punish those who defile and pollute what he is building because his temple is a holy temple. And so Paul is giving strong warning after strong warning to the Corinthians, hey, guys, do you understand what you're actually a part of? Fire is going to test your work. God is going to deal harshly with those who participate in defiling his building and don't take these things in light of what they are. And so because the, the Corinthians have been treating their work carelessly, too carelessly, for what's been asked of them, they're told that they're not living up to this high call, calling, that they have had the opportunity and they do have the opportunity to be a part of something that's enduring and glorious. And so they need to act like that when they conduct themselves among the fellow believers when they're working. In 2019, uh, we were, obviously, all of our family was in South Africa, but in 2019, our oldest son was 19 years old and needed to come back to the States and start his independent life of uh, starting to work. And so I brought him back. I came back with him for about a month, and we flew through Europe because that's the normal pattern from South Africa to Europe back uh, to the U.S. 
We were able to uh, get a furlough in Rome, which we finagled a little bit, but we got a, a furlough in Rome, and so we were able to, to have an extended layover there and had about three days, just Travis and I, to uh, see some of the things there in, in Rome, and we certainly, certainly enjoyed that. But we saw uh, one thing uh, of significance called the Pantheon, uh, which is a temple that was built to honor all the gods, a Pantheon. And in the first century, when Rome, uh, not very long after that, when Rome uh, came into power or converted to uh, Christianity, they converted the Pantheon into a Roman Catholic church. Uh, so it's, uh, it's not, the, it's not a, God, a, a, a temple to all the gods anymore, at least that's what they say, but it's as, actually more of a Roman Catholic church. But it's still there 1,900 years later. And so when the people who were building this temple to the gods were building it, they were building it with the expectation and the understanding that this was going to last and endure for a very long time, hopefully forever, basically, was the idea when they were building this. And so there is a freestanding dome that's, that's all concrete. I think it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, freestanding concrete dome. I don't know how much that weighs, but it actually is able to support itself uh, and has for 1,900 years. There's these giant pillars. There's amazing sculpture. There's the artwork, and these things have been around for uh, 1,900 years. And when you're in this building, you have this sense that this is, this is an edifice. This is not a normal building that we might go into. We've been in a lot of buildings in our life, and this is different than that. And so when they were building, that the buildings were building this to last. And the, the illustration of us in God's building is that we also have the privilege of being involved in something that's going to be enduring and then is going to last and therefore, the way that we work on that building is very significant. And so that we have the honor and the privilege of being a part of something so magnificent, so we want to do our work with excellence. If you turn back into Ephesians chapter 2, look at another passage that talks about uh, this building. You're more than welcome to go back to 1 Corinthians 3 when you have time and just think through it from this perspective. But I'm going to move on to Ephesians chapter 2. Paul is talking to the Ephesians this time about this same building, same building illustration. In 1 Corinthians, he's warning the Corinthians, hey, guys, you're not taking your calling seriously. You're being very careless about the holy temple of God. You need to take it much more serious. And there's great reward for those who will, but great consequences for those who treat it unworthily. But in Ephesus, he's speaking about this same building, but this time his focus is not on a warning, but explaining the inclusion of the Gentiles to be a part of this building. At one, one time, the idea of the Gentiles being a part of this building uh, was certainly not expected. And so God had been working exclusively, exclusively with the Jews. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, he's, he's reminding the Gentiles, because he's writing to a Gentile audience, he says in verse 12, chapter 2, Remember that you, Gentiles, were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And this is right before our passage. So he's, the point of his building illustration here is that he's bringing in the Gentiles to be a part of this God's building that he is building, this holy temple which was unexpected and a very big surprise for the Jewish people and a very amazing uh, development for us Gentiles that we actually can be a part of this holy temple God's building 
And so he's, he then follows up in chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. He says, So then you Gentiles are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Again, as I read through here, look for building illustration. So he says here, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you Gentiles are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Uh, Surely you saw a whole bunch of building uh, words in there. Household, built, foundation, cornerstone, building, fitly framed, structured, temple, builded, habitation, or dwelling place of God. It's a building that he's talking about here. Obviously, we understand it's a a building illustration. It's not a concrete building, but it helps us understand uh, God's work in a way that we can uh, relate to it in a concrete way, that we can get a hold of it. And so he says that God is constructing this grand spiritual temple, a great edifice, where he, God, is going to dwell forever, where he is going to live, where he lives. It says it will be the habitation of God. And in this illustration, he talks about believers, us, Jewish belie- Gentile believers and Jewish believers, as the materials for the building. Remember in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about us being the builders. Here he's talking about us being the materials of this building. And so he says that the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. This is verse 20. And he talks about the foundation being the apostles and the prophets, talking about the the, the beginning of the church there. And then he says that we also are being built together into the dwelling place of God. Verse 22, in him you also are being built together. And so he's showing that this uh, this building is being made out of believers, starting with Christ, then the early leaders in the church, and now us are also included as part of this building, Jews and Gentiles. And this holy temple is growing, uh, growing, so we have a a living building, not something we're used to, but a a living building. And this living building of Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, slave and free, are being joined together with believers from past generations, and also being joined together with believers all over the globe. And so we are all being built together towards completion in this building. And so we have the privilege of being a part of something meaningful and substantial, this eternal dwelling that we're a part of that is going to be the place where God eternally lives and dwells among us. And so this building is constructed of raw materials like all buildings are. And he's telling us that these these raw materials are us. And we know some things about us, right? We're not really ready to be in the holy temple, right? right now. But God is going to mold and cut and work on us and make us materials that are fit for this building. And we are going to be shaped and we are going to be connected. First Peter chapter 2 tells us that people, we are as living stones in this temple. First Corinthians 3 says you are that temple. Ephesians 2 says in him you are being built together. So we are the raw resources, believers are the raw resources that God is using, and we pour into one another's lives God's Word and the work that God is doing. And other believers pour into us, and this is the molding and shaping and preparation for us to be fit into this building. Some people are involved in, in counseling ministries. 
where we are correcting and encouraging one another because we're not fit. Others are involved in discipleship ministries where we're teaching and training using God's word, preparing and prepping so that you'll fit. Others are living out their life faithfully and practically in their, in their houses, in their homes, and others are following their example. They're seeing how it actually, the process of molding and shaping actually works itself out within a family, and within a church body. And they're seeing faith and love and forgiveness and hope and endurance, and we are being molded and being fit into this eternal temple. And we call this process edifying, right? To build one another up. And while we're quite familiar with the term of edifying, we less often associate it with what we're edifying or what we're building up. Yeah, we're edifying one another, but we very seldom think towards what? And here we, are, we see that it's towards this holy temple. It's towards the completion of this edifice that God is going to and already dwells in. And so we are able to see the purpose and the end of our edifying so that we can be encouraged. When you are working with somebody or somebody is working with you, it's not just uh, because God told us to. It's because this is the means by which the building is complete, which brings us to the place of honor and celebration uh, for all eternity and, and living in and enjoying what God has for us. And we'll talk about that in just a minute here. So we call this, this process edifying. Uh, and that can, if we realize what's happening, that there's a goal, there's a purpose, we can be patient with other people and we can be patient even with ourselves because we understand where we're, we're moving towards. And we forgive one another. Not only because God told us to forgive one another, but we understand that forgiveness is a means of edifying. It's a necessary process of building this building. And so we, we, uh, we love one another. We warn one another. We are kind one to another. We comfort one another. We carry one another's burdens. We teach one another. We pray for one another. We mourn with one another. We rejoice with one another. And we do all these one another edifying works because this is the edifying or this is the building up of what God is doing. This is the building up of this holy temple, God's building. We evangelize. We disciple. We train leadership, not only because we're commanded to, because we understand this is the means of completing God's building, which will lead then to the celebration of all those who have diligently been a part of this. So we are construction workers on God's building, and we edify one another, but we are also the building itself. And so we have a uh, substantial and meaningful purpose for our lives, that we are going to be a part of what God is doing. We don't know what floor of the temple that we're on at this stage of the game, uh, but we know that many others have built be before us, that other floors have been built. Paul says he was on the foundation stage, but other people have been after that. And we know of faithful people down through the ages. They have built on the same building and the same building. And then we came along. And we understand that those who built before us built with the understanding that we would be faithful as they were faithful. Maybe we're on the 298th floor of a 300-story building. We don't know what floor we're on at this stage of the game, but we know that others have been faithful before us. And we know that we must be faithful to complete the work that we've been called to. And then we will celebrate all together with all the other laborers and all the other materials of this building. We are used to hearing about the West Wing and the East Wing or the White House. This building that God is building has wings all over the world. It's one building, 
as Americans, we probably think the main structure here is the U.S., and there's wings in other countries here, there, and everywhere. Uh, but the, we're told here, uh, Peter tells us that uh, the cornerstone is laid in Zion, in Jerusalem. So we, the main building, I think, is going to be from that part of the world. Remember, we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But we have a wing here in the USA where, where the building is being complete, and you have a role in completing the, the U.S. side of this uh, building. We understand that this building has wings in every country in the world. Every tribe and every language and every people and every nation are part of this one building that God is involved in. And many times there's other wings of the building that need assistance, that need help. Uh, sometimes we need help from other parts of the world to help us as well. But we understand that we are one building and it's not complete until every aspect, every wing of the one building is complete. And so when we see what God is doing on a worldwide and eternal perspective, it helps us to better, you know, see what God is doing. Maybe it helps us better a lot our time and our energy, uh, our skills and our resources for the tasks that we have been given. So there's many different building projects that we can throw our life into, um, many edifices that we can build while we're here for our 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And while they may some of these edifices stand tall and shine brightly for a while, we know that they will only last a short time and then they'll be gone forever. And so to hear God in his grace call you to invest in his building is a very difficult call to resist. But as Paul has shown us, that this work must be carried out very carefully and very soberly because it's a holy temple that we are a part of by the grace of God. Nothing that is tainted will make it through the testing fire. And so it's a, it's a very serious and substantial work, but it's a, a work that needs to be cared for uh, with, with great excellence. God gives the great honor uh, to every believer to not only be a part of the Holy Temple themselves, but also to complete or to be a part of contributing to this temple. Even that's not the end. What is the purpose of this Holy Temple? If you turn to me with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter, this time a new author, talks about this building as well. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you have come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And so he says, as you come to Jesus, the preeminent one, the central one who is the focus of this holy temple, we are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy temple, God's building. And he says that we as the living building ourselves, he says here that we, you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we're not used to talking about a building doing stuff like this, but we are that building. We are this living building, and this living building's purpose is to be doing these things, to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices. We eternally are in the Holy of Holies serving as high priests to God, offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable and pleasing to God. The barriers of access to God, which are in place now because of our sin, but have been broken down because of Jesus Christ and ultimately one day will be in his very presence, 
is going to be a different type of existence, a different type of fellowship than we experience even now, a greater, more intimate fellowship, like the high priest who enters into the Holy of Holies. That will be not the place that we go into once a year, but that will be the place that we eternally live and dwell in the presence of God. And then the building will function. It will be a, a place where pray, and this is already happening today. It's not that we have to wait to the completion of the building, but once the building is complete, it will reach its full functioning capability and the full, uh, you know, full glory that God deserves from us who he has worked in. And so this is his, his purpose, unrestricted fellowship with the triune God, opportunity to worship in his presence, things that we would never want to do at this stage of the game until we get uh, our glorified bodies and, and things have, have changed, but, but something that we long for and we look forward to because it will be of such significance, such uh, joy. John talks about that he wants the others to join in the fellowship that he has with the Father and with the Son. He wants us to join in that same kind of fellowship, talking about what God has done and is doing in our lives. So there's a, a lot to unpack here, but for our purposes today, we know that this building has a purpose, is going towards a completion, and that's to be in his presence and to be serving in his presence. As believing Gentiles, we have this privilege as well to serve and to worship in his immediate presence. Chapter 2, verse 6, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor, and you'll, you'll see the honor and shame going on here. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And so he says here that those who, who believe are going to be honored. Those who believe in Jesus Christ and who are a part of this building are going to be greatly honored. Those who reject the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, the only way into the building, those who reject them will suffer shame. And it finds all people then find themselves in either honor or shame based on their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's a simple truth that God's building, this holy temple, this spiritual house is being built on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. And upon this cornerstone, he laid the apostles and the prophets laid the next floors. And then, including Paul, he says he was a part of that. And then we have the great honor. Well, maybe there was a few others in between there that were working on the building. But now it's up to us and we are the ones who have the great privilege of building on the same one building. And each successive generation has this opportunity. But God himself says that he is going to evaluate our contributions, our work on this building. And that some will come through as gold, silver, and precious stones. And some won't come through. It will be forgotten. And so he tells us that we have this great honor and to, to, to work towards the completion of it. So when we edify, we're edifying for the completion of this. And he says that this temple place is going to be the dwelling place of God and will be the eternal home of the saints. God and the saints are going to be living here forever and ever. And they are going to have this great joy of bringing great honor and praise and proclaiming the excellencies of God uh, for all eternity. The temple was begun in Zion at Christ's first coming when the cornerstone came but was rejected by many, but it was chosen and precious by God. And it was laid down. And God is going to bring this building to completion. The work continues today. We know 
we can look around and we know the USA wing is not complete of God's building. We can look around the world in other countries and find out that their, their other wings are not complete either. There are some places that there is much complacency. There are other places where there is distraction and carelessness. And so Paul is, and Peter are calling us out to see the high calling and the great honor that we have to be a part of something, to invest ourselves. It's, if completing this building is not our all-consuming passion, what possibly could be of more importance? What other edifice are you building on that's so important that you can't get to this one or to be focused on this one? So we don't edify to edify, we edify to build one another up, to complete the edifice, to have the celebration, to enjoy the unrestricted excess and fellowship to God, to have the opportunity to proclaim His excellencies, to worship Him forever and ever. God has a building. He calls it God's building. And God's plan for this age is not yet complete. So what is your role? Peter and Paul, Apollos, they had different roles. Many, many others have come after them that have different roles in times down through history, also around the globe in different places, completing God's building. Everything else will be forgotten. Everything else will pass away. But the holy building, it will last forever. And there's much work to be done on this building in every country of the world. I hope you stick around for the Sunday School Hour. I'd like to tell you just a little bit about what God's doing uh, in the wing, the South African wing of this building. And um, I want to say it with uh, appreciation for your contribution for a long time in our lives so that we could be there and be involved in this. So it's also your contribution to the South African wing. So we'd love for you to stay around so that we can share some of those things with you. It's our responsibility. You've sent us out. It's our responsibility to come back and say, okay, this is what we are doing in partnership together. And so the encouragement is to renew our passion, to continue to labor diligently and to complete the building that God has given us to do. One building, one field, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. We just thank you for this opportunity to come together and to have this illustration brought before us. You know that we can understand things uh, best when they're illustrated for us so that we can put our minds around them. Um, I do pray that the object of today was not just to get an understanding, but for that understanding to then compel us to be diligently working and to evaluate our own lives and our own um, values and the things that we are uh, focusing on, and, uh, and encourage us if we've been distracted, uh, strengthen us if we've become weak, and that we would just be diligent to the end. We understand that this is your building, that you will complete it. That gives us great hope. Father, may we be faithful in what you've given us to do. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.